Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of Retronauts. I am your host for this one, Bob Mackey, and I'm here with a little preamble to let you know what you're about to listen to. So the following is a recording of our Portland Retro Gaming Expo 2016 panel, which was a celebration of the 10th anniversary of Retronauts. And unfortunately, this is sort of a disclaimer because the audio on this episode is a little lower quality than I would like. Uh, What was supposed to happen was we were supposed to get the direct audio captured directly from the microphone sitting in front of us. But after reaching out a few times, no one really was responding to me. And I'm not holding against anyone from the Portland Retro Gaming Expo. I'm sure it's a labor of love. I'm sure they have a lot to deal with after the expo closes. And I'm sure maybe later I can grab the real great audio off of the YouTube version of that panel because they should be uploading a YouTube version of our entire Portland Retro Gaming Expo 2016 panel at some point in time. For now, though, you're going to have to put up with my personal recording of this panel. I basically put a handheld recorder in front of me and Jeremy, turned it on, and hoped for the best. And actually, it turned out pretty good. I would give it a 7 out of 10 on the review scale, which uh, thankfully this is not a video game because that would be the worst score you could ever get. So I, I feel I feel like this is still pretty listenable, but if you listen to our episodes while you're, you know, in a car or jogging or doing something with some background noise, I would save this one until you're home and can put on some headphones and listen to it because, again, um, it's not as good as I want it to be, but it's still very listenable. And I may do some things throughout the episode to sweeten the audio a bit. I may actually record some new audio to let you know what some of our Q&A panel was about because you might not be able to hear the questions as loud because those people were maybe 20 or 30 feet away from the mic um, and it barely picked them up so again um, I think you're going to be surprised by how good this turned out with just the paltry equipment I had just sitting in front of me but again um, I wish we could get that good audio one day we will have it but I did not want to miss a week and I think this is perfectly listenable and you'll get the gist of our panel and I think it turned out pretty well So before I go and let you listen to this panel, I just want to let you know that uh, we really appreciate all of your donations through Patreon.com. We were able to go to the panel, stay in Portland for a few days, thanks to you. And it was personally very, 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 very gratifying to meet so many great Retronauts fans at our meetup in Quarter World. Thank you so much if you came up to say hi to me. I had so many great conversations. I spent two nights in a row at Quarter World, and I did not play a single video game because I was busy talking to fans of Retronauts and talking Simpsons and watch out for fireballs. It was probably the best time I had in Portland, so if you missed it or missed any of our Portland appearances, please try to come out there next year. Start saving now because I feel like that is one of the best, or if not the best, retro gaming conventions in the world and Portland is so great uh, such a great place to go such a great place to hang out for a weekend so yeah thank you again if you donate to us and if you're interested in donating to the show uh, as I've said many many times we do everything via patreon.com that it completely funds everything we do we don't take any profits personally just because um, we can barely afford to fund a show and panels and all of our extra stuff like t-shirts and stickers and posters but if you're interested in contributing just a dollar a month would really help us out a lot and you can go to patreon.com slash retronauts to do that anyhow i will go and let you listen to this panel uh next week will be a little sort of post panel uh episode with gary butterfield and cole ross from watch out for fireballs we're gonna be talking about the podcasting game our experience in portland and things like that and then we'll be back to our normal schedule talking about actual video games for once uh just this may seem self-indulgent for a few weeks but let us have this victory lap at the very least and we promise to do at least 10 more although i don't swear on that because who knows what could happen in the next 10 years but i just want to keep making these episodes guys so thanks so much for listening and please enjoy this panel
everybody. Thank you for joining us for the Retronauts 10th anniversary panel. So uh, before I begin, I want to talk about the date of October 4th, 2006. It was a momentous date in world history. Uh, so number one, WikiLeaks was formed. Uh, which would, yes, and it would go on to... Is there an anniversary with WikiLeaks? Yes, we do. Yeah. And we're just as... Who DDoS the internet the other day. It could have been us. We're just as potentially dangerous. But WikiLeaks would go on to inform us that people who make Adam Sandler movies don't like Adam Sandler either. Um, on October 4th, 2006, the TV show Lost would officially begin its third season, amounting to the best possible year for a series that would ultimately disappoint billions. And President Bush signed to the Department of Homeland Security... disappointed thousands. <laughs> and the last thing that happened was President Bush signed the Department of Homeland Security Appropriations Act, which will probably get one of us on stage arrested one day. But most importantly, October 4, 2006, was the first Retronauts ever that launched that day. And you are all here to help us celebrate it. I'm just here for street passes. So thank you for coming. <laughs> to introduce everybody, I am your host for this panel, Bob Mackey. Uh, next to me is the great Jeremy Parrish, and we also have Chris. Uh, well, uh, a 7 out of 10. I'm not pregnant or anything. <laughs> You're glowing, Jeremy. Uh, and we also have Chris Kohler. And our um, he's uh, spectacular, oh, nice. uh, uncanny even. And our our last surprise guest is Scott Sharkey. Uh, he has been risen from the Lazarus pits uh, to join us. I'm not sure where he went or why he's here, but he's here, and we're all happy. And he's gonna hear. Uh, he's here to talk us uh, talk to us about retronauts. We're gonna share stories. This is a very disorganized panel because we're slightly disorganized people in our own way. Uh, but first, I really want to talk about the origin of Retronauts, and um, this is really just like Uncle Jeremy telling me a story. I think we're all going to take turns sitting in his lap for the next 45 minutes. So I hope you wore load-bearing pants, Jeremy. I didn't really sign up for that. So Jeremy, um, maybe you can tell us just where uh, Retronauts came from. I'm curious. I know it was part of the One Ups initiative to make podcasts. When podcasts were a new thing, when Mark Maron was just a twinkle in the eye of the podcasting god, um, where did Retronauts come from? It was forged in the fires of Mount Zip Davis. <laughs> uh, That's very much like Mordor. Yeah, it's pretty much the same. Uh, actually, Zip Davis might well, be there, I mean, more there was evil. Just a fire in the Zip Davis building, right? Oh, was that it? Nobody could really put out. I was nowhere near that. <laughs> was that uh, the desk? It probably was. It's been smoldering since I left. Wow, it's like old times. Uh, yeah, so, man, I don't know. I, I'm i actually the person who started the show, but I don't remember any of that. Because I, I, remember, you, I remember you telling me about it. I remember I was in the one-up office for like some reason or another, because I was probably writing a review or collecting some review copy. Chris, why don't you tell me how I started you, the show? Well, <laughs> no, I mean, I this just, is very much an oral history now. Like, I just, I very clearly remember you saying, yeah, so I mean, we're going to start this, this podcast, which again, in 2006, I was kind of like, you're, we're going to talk into a microphone, and then you're going to upload it, and people are going to listen to this, like, voluntarily. And, um, like a radio show, but not on the radio. Um, and, uh, and you were just like, yeah, it's, it's going to be called, you know, Retronauts, and it's going to be an entirely about, um, you know, old, classic 88 and 16-bit video games. And I was just like, I want to go to there. <laughs> and, and, was, and, and I was just like, uh, Jeremy, I would really, really like to do this. And I, I think that it would, uh, he's like, yeah, no, no, no. I mean, I assume you'll be a regular contributor. So I'm like, ah. <laughs> Yeah, so at the time, uh, like everyone has said, retro, uh, podcasts were a pretty new idea. 
Um, but one up Ziff Davis had been kind of an early innovator in that space online, especially for video gaming. Um, Jane Pinkert, who was our news editor for a little while, I think in 2005 or so, started something called, I want to say like One Up Weekly or it was something. It like a roundtable that she did. No, it was before the roundtable. Oh, it? it was just like someone would sit in her office with her and just they two, the, the two of them would talk into a microphone. I was on one episode uh, pretty early on. And from that, it kind of expanded into the roundtable and then Garnet Lee took it over and it became, you know, the proper One Up Yours or whatever it was called. Um, it's all, like I said, it's all very blurry to me because the, the, there were so many people and so many different names and I was only kind of tangentially involved, but, you know, the magazines that Zip Davis had under the same banner as 1UP, EGM, Official PlayStation Magazine, uh, Computer Gaming World, later Games for Windows Magazine, uh, they all started doing their own podcasts, which they all grumbled about and thought was stupid. They were like, who cares? But they didn't get that it was a chance for, you know, the, the staffs of those magazines to get together and communicate their personalities and their chemistry in a way that, you know, just online print production doesn't do. And so these became really popular by the metrics of video game websites in 2005, which, you know, was, you know the internet was a smaller place back then. So it was relatively popular compared to now, not that big a deal. But anyway, no one cared about old video games except me. So I was like, I want to do one too. And I figured it would last about three episodes. So I just called it Retronauts because that was a, a retro gaming blog I'd been running on my personal site and then moved over to OneUp's blogs. And I didn't bother to think of a better name for it because, again, it was going to last for three episodes or so and then everyone would stop caring and it would go away. But then it just kind of kept going. Um, so, Bob, October 4th, was that when the first episode was recorded? Was that oh, the first um, podcast episode? Was that the Metroid episode so that was done on video? The history of Retronauts is kind of like biblical history. No one really knows for sure what happened, <laughs> except for, you know, scholars, uh, and I am not one. But that was the first uh, date it was posted. And okay. I know there was a um, Retronauts episode zero about Metroid 2. Um, and there was something about Donkey Kong, too. I mean, do you remember these things? They were videos first. I remember the, the Metroid video. Was Donkey Kong part of that? Sharky was in that. I, I was there, yeah. You, and you Nadia Oxford was on a podcast like, on a Skype. You actually had a camera for some reason. <laughs> I was like trying to avoid those, so I'm still kind of sore. Yeah, originally it was there was podcast and video kind of, they were both happening at the same time, yeah. right? Uh, no, the idea was to have podcast and video happen at the same time, but we did that Zero episode and realized Oh, this is really unwieldy and there's a lot of trouble. Right. So oh no, I'm sorry. I mean, I just, uh, stop doing you. Unfortunately, there's, there's no smoking in here, so the we videos can't. were happening right. It wasn't like the podcast ran for a few years, and then there was video. Like there were Retronauts podcasts, and there were Retronauts videos, really from the beginning. The videos came the a little bit, later. The bonus but, stage stuff was like yeah. 2007 or so. Like that was pretty early. That was like. Months later, it's <laughs> years months. of internet time. Yeah. November 4, 2006 was a Saturday, so we didn't record it then. That would have been when we put it up, I guess. No, October 4. October 4. Oh, October 4. Oh, no, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> no, I think, I think we recorded it a day or two before that and posted it. It was uh, Final Fantasy 3. That's right. Yeah, time to uh, oh, the go with the DS, DS version was coming out. Yeah. 
the important thing about like the first two years of any podcast, it sounds like everyone is half asleep and afraid to say anything. And that is the truth about Retronauts. I mean, it was uh, like one of the first podcasts I ever listened to and I stuck with it. But if you go back uh, to any old podcast, everyone is so low energy. It's kind of funny. Not me. Except for Chris. Chris is... I, I took the podcast like a duck to water, man. I still don't even understand if you what look at the podcast is. But I know you just put the microphone in front of me. I'm like, God. If you look at the waveform of any Retronauts, you can see when Chris is talking. Yeah. Yeah, one of my enduring memories of Retronauts is that our producer, Andrew Pfister, anytime Chris started talking, you'd see him adjusting <laughs> dials. But you know, uh, this was the era at, at Ziff Davis and these magazines where it was like drinking was not dis discouraged, it was encouraged at work. So maybe everyone was just half drunk on these episodes, except Jeremy? No, that's just how I am. Okay. I don't think there was any drinking during Retronauts. That was more of a Garnet League. Oh, okay. Oh, no, that was pretty much perfect. Actually, we have. Uh, well, <laughs> yeah, no, yeah. I mean, but you were drinking on the show. You drank, you drank heavily before the show. Well, yeah, no, I was a functional alcoholic, though. So, mm. yeah. <laughs> Very functional. <laughs> I quit, by the way. So. Oh, congratulations. Yay. Okay, so anyway, that's how it started. Let's, let's talk about something weird and exciting. Is there anything weird and exciting, Bob? What's weird and exciting? Well, I think uh, like a lot of people here want to know what it was like, including me, because I got in kind of late, what it was like to like just exist in that sphere of the game's press, when it was more of a burgeoning force in the world, when it had more of a presence. Um, the thing about Retronauts is uh, we get a few complaints about having limited subject matter, but one of the key reasons Retronauts started was you had an entire uh, you know building full of people who could speak about anything conceivably. This is back when websites had things called staff. And not uh, just a bunch of freelancers they would yeah, underpay. Copy editors back then. Yes, oh my god. Uh, instead of having one guy that, you know, records video, records audio, edits text, edits photos, etc. But I think, like, me, I, I idealized that, that time in uh, the Games Press because I, I was trying to get in then, too. I didn't really get in until, like, the last gasp of that era when there were a lot of sites, when there were still magazines. And I think, like, um, if you guys are anything like me, I do want to hear what it was like in that time. Because I, I, I want to find a time machine and go back to there. <laughs> I would like to find a time machine and go back there also. Um, I think actually everyone sort of who comes into an industry or a business like this sort of sees what happened before as more of a golden era. Because I feel like I missed out on the cool stuff. I read like that crazy nextlevel.com thread about game fan and like people doing cocaine and, and playing Yoshi's Island. I think it was acid. At E3, and I'm like, wow, that is not at all the experience I had in video games. Um, What's that? The Gamecock parties, where it was like Cirque du Soleil. Yeah, like all of that stuff kind of happened and, and was coming to an end as I was entering the games press. Like the day that I started at 1up.com was, I believe, the very last time that Ziff Davis had a staff cruise where the whole company went onto like a cruise ship off the coast of San Francisco and just sailed around and drank for a day. Like that, that happened yeah. the day before I started. And I mean, so, so, you know, the global economy crashed in 2008, right? And so the, the video game industry, all the lavish parties also kind of went away. Right, so there was like five years that I was in there before, like, you know, starting to fade away a little bit. Uh, basically, print was starting to go away. And print was very lucrative for a long time. And that began to be replaced by internet, which is much less lucrative. Um, so, you know, Zip Davis was a magazine publisher, had a bunch of magazines. Everyone in the magazines kind of looked at oneup.com as like this sort of upstart that was trying to siphon off their resources and, and stealing their exclusives and things like that. They didn't quite get 
than it was you know, the future. And then by the time they did realize it was the future, there was a different sort of bitterness. So I, I always kind of felt like an outsider at Zip Davis a little bit until the point where the magazines went away and everyone became one up, at which point like, we were all part of one big family. But that took like five or six years. So um, yeah, the podcasts were part of that time. So there was definitely this sense of like a territorial sense um, with each little magazine or publication being its own kingdom that sort of jealously guarded its secrets and its exclusives <laughs> and its interviews. Uh, but there also was sharing. And like as a, as a company, everyone hung out and was friendly. It was just you know sort of on the business side there was uh, that, that suspicion. But the podcasts were, I think, one of the things that helped break that down because even though they didn't really make us money and you know they got like 5,000, 6,000 downloads, I don't know the exact numbers, but um, like Retronauts today gets more, a lot more downloads than it did 10 years ago or you know, seven years ago or whatever. Um, you know, even though that was like a small sort of slice of the business that didn't really have any uh, profits to it, there was that sense of community that emerged. You know, on the one-up boards and places like NeoGAF, people started to download these podcasts and realize, hey, there's like these cool people talking about video games and they're sharing information and sharing anecdotes and you know breaking embargoes maybe a little bit. Um, and they, you know, it started to become this this sort of valuable community building tool. Hmm. Um, so I think I think podcasts did help sort of break that down. I don't know that Retronauts did because it wasn't tied specifically to a publication under unlike you know uh, EGM's podcast or OPM's podcast. I think it was advertised in EGM though, right? Uh, it was advertised yeah. everywhere, but I mean it wasn't tied to a publication. Hmm. So it was kind of like the floater podcast. But that was why it was great was because you know Ziff Davis at the time did have a staff of like 40 people, a lot of whom had been in the games press since the 90s and had all this experience. They had been through, you know, like to every E3 so far. They had been through the weird kind of golden era of the PlayStation and they had had all these bizarre experiences with breaking Nintendo NDAs and, and you know, and, and having to deal with lawsuits and stuff like that. And they, they just had experience. They knew the video games we were talking about because they played them, they wrote about them sometimes. Um, and it was just a great opportunity to pull on this this amazing pool of resources that was there at One Up and you know the company, and just say like, hey, you know a lot about Pokemon. You wrote a strategy guide on Pokemon. Come be in our Pokemon episode. And video game video game journalism at that point was not did not reflect back on what had come before. It was very much about like news, previews, review, repeat, and it was all about what's coming next, what's next, what's next. And you never saw stories about what had happened before, and so you're kind of missing the, the, the fruits of all of that experience and the, being able to reflect on things. Um, not to mention the fact there just really wasn't a lot of media out there about old video games at that point. It yeah, was very I, much an experience. I forget about that. I was like the weird ass <laughs> freak who kept writing about old video games, and people. Were it was like, like us and like that? Destructoid had Retro Force Go at this kind of at the same yeah. time. And then, would you, really, would you really call out like virtual console as the one thing that made this more of a mainstream topic uh, and what sort of launch, helped launch Retronauts? Uh, yeah. I think just in general there has been sort of a move toward nostalgia as you know video games have moved kind of in their own direction and uh, you know toward the big package AAA games and so that's left the idea of sort of classic video games as its own thing. And I think, you know, there's like the rise of AAA games and the rise of indies who look back to 
Super Metroid or Mario or Sonic or you know Fantasy Star and say that's the kind of game that I loved and that's the kind of game I always wanted to make so I'm going to make that game. <laughs> so I think I think it's been a lot of factors that are probably just inevitable as an as a medium ages and matures. Um, the same way you know people in the I don't know the 80s loved their big band uh, showstopper Hollywood movie productions from the 40s. I don't know. Well, but, and that's that's something that recurs over and over again. That's the point of nostalgia, especially with like a cohort of young adults who are just leaving home, maybe encountering new people for the first time. And the one thing they have in common with everybody is like their trashy pop culture, and they're like, "Oh God, you remember Thundercats?" <laughs> and yeah. you're kind of doing the same thing. It's like, do you, "Do you remember Kid Icarus and how busted that was?" Yeah, uh, I still never got the hang of that. <laughs> yeah, we all have very, I mean, you know, you start finding out everybody has a very different story about their childhood and how they interacted with these games and when did they get this game, did you get this game when it came out or did you have to wait until your birthday next year before you got it? I always loved, like, um, well, obviously, Jen Frank's stories were always amazing and it, but the, 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 the central theme of her stories was that her, her adoptive parents um, wouldn't let her have video games but they did not consider computer games to be video games, and they did not consider Game Boy to be video games. So Jen was an expert on Sierra, you know, point-and-click games. She was an expert on Metroid 2 Return of Samus, and she had a total knowledge gap for any console between those two things. <laughs> So we're, we're coming up on the Q&A section uh, soon, and I want to ask everybody um, just what your favorite memories of the show is. Uh, because for me, I think, I just remember uh, any project I like is a project where I think I'm getting away with something. And that was always true of Retronauts, especially when we were working within IGN. And it was like um, they were becoming YouTube partners and building a new studio. And meanwhile, I was in the, the podcast studio recording a podcast about the Kunio Kun games with Ray Barnholtz. So I, I took a bit of hipster pride, uh, maybe too much. And I, like again, it always felt like I had a rare luxury to do this. So I always took pride in doing it. Um, do you guys have any specific memories of your favorite times on the show? Um, I loved meeting you know, Ron Gilbert, doing podcasts with Tim Schafer and Dave Grossman about my favorite game day, The Tentacle. Uh, just getting the chance to meet and talk to people that I would never encounter outside of this industry. Uh, I always treasure those moments. I don't know, uh, do, you, do you folks have any memories of the show that you really you know, treasure? I think I always enjoyed the show most when I wasn't hosting it and wasn't <laughs> didn't have to do all the heavy lifting and planning and production. So like when Frank Cifaldi brought in a bunch of Tengen people, that was amazing because all of them had great anecdotes and I didn't have to do a thing. I just got to sit there and listen to, you know, people who were part of this fascinating slice of history, you know, like creating unlicensed games for the NES behind Nintendo's back and really getting away with something, just sharing their experiences and yeah, like that, 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 that sort of thing was always, uh, it didn't happen enough in my opinion, but when it did happen, it was, it was amazing, and I loved being there for that. I really kind of enjoyed half-assing it a few times. <laughs> I, I never really had a plan, never really printed out a, a, a script for the show or anything, but the few times I did do it, it kind of went off the rails. People love the survival horror episode, Sharky. I always hear that. That was impossible to edit. Like, it was just people coming and going, and we were stuck in a closet, and like the power went out at one point. And by the time I actually had to edit this thing together into something cogent, it ended up like like Pulp Fiction by the end, just everything was back to front. Yeah, it was more memento than a podcast. But I had fun doing it. Um, just. It was a great environment to be in for that too because everybody did have an area of expertise and there's a good chance that somebody who wanted to talk about whatever you were talking about would just pop in the door 
And it was just, just perfect having all those people and easy access. Yeah, and I mean, in addition to people working at Zip Davis, we also had freelancers like Chris and uh, you know, just people that we knew in the community who we could call on and would, would happily come in and join us. So there was a real, we were incredibly fortunate and I, I didn't really appreciate that at the time, but I would, I would kill to be able to create a podcast like this in that environment again. It could be so good now that I have so much more experience and so much more maturity to really like get a handle on it. So I feel, you know, maybe this isn't a good memory, but I do feel like the old Retronauts was a little bit of a wasted opportunity, and that, that's a shame, but maybe inevitable. But you're saying that you finally appreciate me now. Yes. Uh, <laughs> take ten years, then. So, um, before we go on to our Q&A se uh, session, I want to talk about... Um, oh, Hang on. We oh, we have Chris more stories? Oh, Chris. I don't remember any of it. <laughs> I remember you played Donkey Kong briefly. What? You played Donkey Kong briefly? Yeah, yeah, okay, yeah. I mean, that was that was. I, I was thinking about that. I mean, do we? Do we have? I wish we had the clip. I wish we could just roll the clip. It's but, buried yeah. on one up in their propri proprietary uh, video is. format, whatever that was. It like, is. We yeah. We shot this funny video where I was throwing barrels. Oh, I remember this now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. I will try to include yeah, this in the blog yeah, yeah, post yeah. if I can find it. Yeah. Whoops. <laughs> Sorry. So um, I want to end our talk amongst ourselves with uh, just asking everybody, like, why uh, why we do this show, like, what 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 we're trying to get out of it. Um, I really discover why I do this show through talking to people who I meet, like, after panels like this, and you know, getting comments and things like that. I mean, I got a I got a question from someone uh, last night, and they were like, oh, "How do you know all this stuff?" And I was like, "Well, a very very lonely childhood up until probably my mid twenties." But um, part of the reason is like I I have all this stuff in my brain, and it needs to get out and in order for me to feel better. So it's, it's kind of therapy, but another reason that I like to do the show is uh, podcasts are there for me in my most boring times of my life. And hearing people talk about queuing up lots of retronauts, like for, for an eight hour car drive or uh, when they're going through something or when they're flying, like if I know that I can be there to entertain someone when they're bored, I get a lot out of that. I love hearing that. Um, Jeremy, like how do you feel? Like what, what do you get out of the show? What, what is your um, kind of goal with the show? Like. That's a great question. Um, you know, it's, it's weird because I don't listen to podcasts, and this isn't some snobbish thing. It's just like that medium doesn't interest me. If I'm going to listen to something, then it needs to be music. It's got to be prog rock, right, Jeremy? Yes. <laughs> you got you to slide into a beanbag chair and... Uh... No, no, 80s new wave and video game soundtrack. Okay. I still have one of your old iPod shuffles full of prog rock. Oh, yeah? It's, it's like battery rap generator and shit. It still oh, works. yeah, yeah. No, I gave that to you. Oh, thanks. Yeah. <laughs> yours. Um, did you enjoy Bondergraph Generator? Very much. Great. You guys listen to Bondergraph Generator. Um, yeah, so, no, I, I'm, I'm pretty much always writing or working on something, so podcasts are really distracting for that, so I don't listen to them myself. But I know a lot of people do, and they seem to enjoy the podcasts that I work on, so I'm happy to keep making them, because it's not really that difficult to just kick back in the studio and talk about a video game for an hour and a half. I mean, there's a lot of research that goes into it, and then there's production, but like... The talking is easy. In, yeah, you know, versus writing a, an equivalently sized retrospective, it's a lot easier to just talk. Yeah, it, cost, it doesn't require video production, so yes, the opportunity cost, exactly. Um, so it's, it's an easy way to just kind of, you know, get information about classic video games out there. And the name Retronauts always kind of spoke to my ambition for the show and for the blog that came before it, which was... 
Yes, going into space. Let's no, do a Patreon goal. I wanted an excuse to explore video games that I had never had a chance to play before. And that hasn't always, actually that's really rarely happened because I have a lot of other responsibilities. So Retronauts tends to be me falling back on things that I know. But I, I am making a, a real effort these days to venture into new areas and spend some time with episodes on topics that I don't know that well. And that's actually something that I'm, I'm we'll talk about in a little bit that I'm really determined to uh, kind of double down on in the new year. But, you know, it's a chance for me to explore areas of video game history that I don't know because there are lots of them. And hopefully to enlighten people on, you know, the things that I've learned over time or that I have researched and discovered as I, you know, put together a new episode. So Chris, I know you're not like a core met retronaut. You're like sort of the Pete Best of the retronauts. Um, uh, like, what do you get out of? Really say he's, what? Yeah, no. Can't he's more like you weren't, you weren't fired for Ringo, but he's our regular session guitarist. Okay, sure. He's part of the Wrecking Crew. Um, so, like, uh, why do you enjoy being on Retronauts, and uh, what do you get out of it? Why do you enjoy being on Retronauts? Uh, I just said what I. Bye. Yeah, so probably the same thing. Same thing? <laughs> That's plagiarism, Chris. No, um, I, yeah, I mean, it's, it's talking about um, old video games with this group of people. I mean, that's, that's not something I could replicate on my own. So, I mean, yeah. <laughs> There's a lot of, there's a lot of old video games with puppets and stuff. I've tried I've seen it. the same. I made, I made co-hosts out of uh, old gin boxes. <laughs> feel right. You're down to box gin. <laughs> <laughs>
a lot more looks at like Apple II software. Uh, I know we've kind of touched a little bit on some of that, but there's a lot in the Apple II realm that, that really deserves more coverage. Yes? Can you guys talk a little bit about the, uh, the theme music for Retronauts? This is one of my favorite things about the show. Right? Oh, yeah, thanks. I think there's two or three different themes that have come along through the years. Talk about oh sure. Well, the newer theme from 2013 onward is from uh, Anamanaguchi. We contacted them. They wrote us original song. Um, that was Kickstarter goal. That was Kickstarter goal. Yeah. So they wrote that for us, and I think it's great. It's really fast paced and catchy. I never get tired of it. Jeremy, uh, who did the original song? Uh, that was Lena Chappelle. Hmm. Um, she's a composer. I think works in some games now. Um, but at the time, she was just kind of a fan of One Up and was sort of you know getting her start in the industry. And I think I met her through Jen Frank, uh, but at any at any rate, like she. Oh no, actually, um, sorry, she did this the theme for uh, Active Time Babble. Active Time Babble. Yeah. The first Retronauts theme. Crap, what was his name? Uh, his handle on One Up was Cyrenix. Uh I don't remember his actual name, and I feel really bad about. We'll that. find out it before we post this. Years. Yeah. Okay. Um, yeah, but I think uh, I just like put a call out and said, hey, is anyone interested in doing a theme? And uh, a few people sent in samples, and I hope we gave him money, but I really don't know. Um, anyway, it was a good theme. I liked it. Yeah. Yes. Oh, uh, has there ever been like one particular episode that got like more hate mail than anything else? Or Sega Master System? Oh, uh, oh. Actually, no, Master System did, but also the Genesis episode where uh, we were in a hotel in Tokyo, a bunch of us gathered around, and, and it was the 20th anniversary of Genesis, I think, or 15th, 20th, mm -hmm. and you spent the whole time talking about how terrible it was. <laughs> that, that got a lot of hate mail, actually. Yeah. Uh, people seem to not like me for some reason that I don't understand. Uh, none of you, of course. No one stabbed me on the way out. But um, my, my episode I did about video game violence, um, or the mini episode after that, where we looked at a fluffy news magazine piece that was basically like a Nintendo promotional piece. And um, it had a, uh, an always cranky John Stossel on it. And I made some lighthearted jokes at his expense. And I got like these insane 2,000 word screeds sent at me. And people, people still people reference still, it. People are still leaving iTunes reviews talking about how yes. terrible we are for it. Uh, because we don't, we, we're not fair and balanced or something. I don't know. But uh, there's going to be a sequel to that one soon that I'll get more hate from. So look forward to that. <laughs> and um, there was the Sonic Call-In episode, which kind of was. Oh yeah. Its own hate mail. That people love that one, Jeremy. Oh, no, that that episode itself was its own hate mail. Uh, it, it drove me away for years. <laughs> Hi. Hi, so I've been listening since that October 4th episode, um, so this is awesome. Oh, thanks for coming. Nostalgia, like, on the mind, uh, I'm wondering what your uh, kind of, like, N64 kid moment was. Like, what was the, yes, when you were a kid, the Christmas or the birthday or something, the game or system that you got mm. that was, like, you know, just pure joy? Uh, it's not a video game, but I got uh, Eternia um, for the, the Masters of the Universe playset that was like this big. And I, I just lost my freaking mind. My five-year-old mind. Then I sold, then I sold it to a teenager. No, it was literally, there was a big tower in the center, and there was a gray skull shit. There were three towers connected by a tram um, that was motorized and all this crazy stuff. Oh, it's worth a bajillion dollars now. Yeah, uh, that's not a video game. Though. 
I think mine was just getting an NES because it wasn't a birthday or Christmas. Uh, uh, this is going to be sad, but my parents got divorced when I was very small, and my grandma just got me a Nintendo because, you know, love uh, toys can replace love very easily. And I, <laughs> I carried that with me throughout life, so uh, just getting an NES out of nowhere, this thing I sort of like drooled over for years um, in like 1988, that was a huge thing for me, and sort of set me down this dark path that I'm on now. So. I always had to buy my own video game systems, so I didn't have that moment of, like, unexpectedly... <laughs> You've always been old. <laughs> what was Vietnam like, Jeremy? Uh, I'll tell you about my wound sometime. Um, no, but I think the first time I saw a Nintendo 64 in a store kiosk, and it had Super Mario 64 playing on it, I was like, how is this possible? This, I mean, I you know played some PlayStation games before that, but this was something else. It was amazing. So yeah, that that still sticks in my memory. Yeah, thanks for coming. I'm trying to think of a specific video game. Um, you know, I would say Gauntlet for the Commodore 64. Really? I was, I was obsessed with that arcade machine. Like, and it was the one time I ever stole money <laughs> to just sneak down to the bar and play Gauntlet. Uh, so the fact that there was a home version that actually had all the on-screen stuff, you know, I was really impressed. You gotta feed that wizard, man. You gotta feed that wizard. Yeah, basically. Um, but I did finally get it, and I was thrilled to death, and it didn't work. Uh, like, the disc wouldn't load, I was heartbroken. It wasn't until a week later, I said, maybe I should try unplugging the Vaseline cartridge, and then it was fine. <laughs> so it kind of ruined my Christmas morning. <laughs> it made for a nice New Year's. Hello. Hi. Uh, one of the cool things about listening to you guys over the course of this 10 years is to see your opinions on certain games or kind of games um, evolve over time, maybe in your appreciation or enjoyment of them. So what I was wondering is what game or kind of game do you guys each feel your opinion has changed most drastically about? Silence. <laughs> I still think Donkey Kong Country is pretty mediocre. <laughs> I've, uh, I, I've gained an understanding of Zelda 2. Uh, I still find it uh, hates me, but at least I know why. So uh, I'm not as just volatile and angry about it as I used to be. You've discovered it's the Dark Souls of Zelda. Uh, I'm not allowed to say that about anything anymore. So uh, I'm not your boss anymore. So oh, so you're free. Uh, yes, it is the Dark Souls of Zelda. <laughs> Except Dark Souls is good, so never mind. I mean, I, I've always. I'm sorry, Shane. I, when I was a teenager, when I brought Earthbound when it came out, when I was you know 15, and I liked RPGs, but at the time I was just kind of like, you know, I don't. I mean, the graphics are not really doing it for me. I hate, I hate the inventory system, you know. And I was very kind of impatient, and I said, yeah, you know, some people like this, some people hate it. I'm kind of in the middle. It's okay. Um, I think the, the older I get every year that passes, I like it more because I just replayed it on Virtual Console and I just, it's so, it's so peaceful, you know, it's, it's so, so beautiful, such a beautiful game that in my mid-30s I appreciate it so much more than I did 20 years ago. I'm going to say Game Boy. Um, I liked handheld games a lot when I first started at 1UP, but I kind of looked down on Game Boy and in fact, I got to know Jen Frank because I wrote a really scathing review of Metroid 2, like a retro <laughs> review, and she left a comment that was like, you're terrible, how could you think this? And from there we became great friends. And, um, yeah, like I, I just remember thinking, oh, there's, there's not much good on Game Boy, like the system was just too primitive to be entertaining, and now I devote most of my free time to chronicling the Game Boy. So there's actually quite a bit of good stuff out there. Uh, also a lot of total trash, but that's true for any system. So 
yeah, Game Boy is definitely the the the, the area of gaming that my opinion has changed the most. I would say. I can't play MMOs anymore. My God, I'm just done with them. <laughs> I don't know. I, I used to be like, you have to yeah. yeah. You're taking all your vices. Pretty much, yeah. Yeah. But did, did you ever really play MMOs, or did you just oh, dig no, around in the character generator? I still do that. Okay. I, just, I, I don't even like have the pretense of trying to play them anymore. I'm just making like terrible, terrible creatures. Okay. And doing things I shouldn't. I remember, I remember going to your house and playing uh, two, two Worlds, which is not an MMO, but yeah. you, were playing, you were playing Two Worlds, and you were like, I have to show you this, and you go down, and like this guy at the ranch, and he's like, the horses got out of the coral! The voice actor never having oh, So they were seahorses oh, then. Don't be stingy. Don't be stingy. As opposed to stingy. Yeah. Red alarm. Last alert? Last alert. Yeah. Right. Thank you. That answers your question and several other questions. Hello. Hi. Um, so my roommate curates a blog dedicated to a retro like game creation system called ZZT. And he sent yeah. me here specifically to ask you, Chris, me? about yeah, about yeah. if you could, you know, share anything about your Yoshi ZZT game yeah. that you made. Um, what do you want to know? Uh, yeah, so when I was uh, like 13, seventh grade, um, I kind of discovered ZZT, which is the first game that was made by Epic, Epic Games. Uh, Tim Sweeney made it himself and had an editor. Um, Anna Anthropy has written a wonderful book about ZZT. Um, and uh, I was just like, I was not original. I actually, I, so when I was in like sixth grade, uh, at sixth, seventh, and eighth grade or so, I actually drew um, horrifically bad uh, comics like in class, like with Yoshi as, as the star and kind of like developed this whole thing where Yoshi, I don't know how it happened, but like Yoshi became like this huge idiot. Um, and then, like, the joke was that he was really stupid and it was him versus Princess Toadstool constantly having yes. a friendly rivalry. I don't know why that became the funny thing. It sounds to very me. much like Super Mario Raccoon. Yeah, yeah, which is like the characters going off into really weird places with them. Um, and then when DCT came around, I was like, oh, okay, well, I'm doing these Yoshi comics, so I really should do a game about Yoshi. And so all the stuff in those Yoshi games is like the personalities that they had in the comic, but of course it made absolutely no sense to anyone if you weren't me and it's just like this just, just bizarre you know like alternate weird reality mario world thing with lots of toilet humor and some terrible yeah 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 exactly i was i was the sonic shoe guy basically yeah, just doing these just completely ridiculous things um and they're like you know and of course it's self-insert fan fiction because that's the only it's the best kind of fan fiction. So like, you know, I'm, I'm in there, all my seven-year-old, seventh grade, seven-year-old, seventh grade friends are in there. Um, oh, they exist, you'll never see them. <laughs> never, you'll never see them. Is that one of your parents' garage? Adam. Adam, okay. Hmm. Yeah, cool. so that's Yoshi Games. Thank you. And, uh, still, and of course, like, just you, still the, the, you can, yeah, the internet <laughs> has a forever memory, so literally you can go and play these games I made when I was 13. Um, they're all on ZZT websites and stuff, and of course they're immortalized because Anna Andrew wrote about them in the ZZT book. Yeah. <laughs> well, thank you. Uh, that's our last question, actually, that we can take. Uh, we have a few announcements to make. <laughs> There's some crosstalk happening. Uh, you can find you can find us at retronauts.com, of course. I take it. Uh, I assume everyone here has heard our show before. Has no one heard our show before? Wow, thank you. I'm sure all this is very confusing to you, so thanks for coming. Um, and I do want to say that we have an announcement, but I, uh, we're all supported by Patreon. Um, we're, we're here because of Patreon, so if you give, thanks so much. Um, it's patreon.com slash retronauts. There's rewards if you want to give to us, and um, we basically do the show based on that alone, so we can't be here without that. So if you give to us and you're here, thanks so much. 
And I think Jeremy has a Patreon-related announcement to make. Yeah, like I said earlier, I, I really want to kind of double down in 2007, on to 2017, 2007, wow. <laughs> we're gonna, we are going uh, back We're going time. retro, really retro, uh, on you know, topics that I've never, we've never explored before because it's something we don't have a lot of knowledge about, maybe. So I'd like to take the podcast weekly, which means that um, we're going to hopefully start up a Retronauts East, where I'm going to meet with people that I know where I live in Raleigh, North Carolina, who have a lot of knowledge about vintage PC games, Apple II, Atari, things like that, areas that, that Retronauts has never explored. So we've set kind of a new Patreon goal for ourselves, and uh, hopefully we can meet that, and it's you know going to take additional funding because I'd like to pay these people for their time, and if we do record more frequently, then I'll be traveling to San Francisco more frequently to record with Bob. So. Um, yeah, so it's a little a little extra investment uh, requirements on our part, but mm -hmm. yeah, that's something I really want to do. It's it's um, an area that Retronauts has always been sort of weak in, you know, these 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 particular topics. So it's a uh, it's kind of a been a long term goal, and I'd like to realize that in the new year. So yeah. hopefully everyone can help out. If not, that's okay too. We'll we'll do our best. It still hurts. Yeah. So we have to go now, but thanks for coming. I'm going to say 10 more years. I'm promising that now in audio form. So, Jeremy, you're stuck here. And uh, we'll be at Quarter World tonight at 8 p.m., so we'll see you there. And thanks for coming to the panel, everybody. Appreciate it. And we'll be outside if you want to talk.